You're listening to Evolution Digital, where we talk about how various industries have adopted technology to stay relevant and competitive in today's digital market. I'm Tracy Sheckel. Welcome back to Evolution Digital. We usually talk about how businesses adapt to emerging digital technology, and more recently, how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted businesses. This will certainly be part of today's conversation, but what about a population that's not so digitally savvy. Older Americans are more susceptible to complications from COVID, making social distancing critical. For this population, access to telehealth, social services, and even friends and loved ones are dependent on digital technology. This poses a challenge for those who may not be comfortable in today's digital world. Diane Walsh is the executive director of the Eastern Area Agency on Aging in Maine, and I'm pretty sure she can shed some insight on both. Diane, welcome, and thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to be here. It'd be nice if we could be together, but God knows when that's going to happen again. It could could be a while. (laughs) But amazingly, we figured out this technology and we can record and, you know, hopefully it sounds okay to everybody. I guess we should start off with you just giving us some background on yourself and what brought you to the Agency on Aging. Sure. So I just celebrated my 13th anniversary with the organization in July, which is time has just flown by. I can't even believe it. So I, uh, during my my graduate work, finishing uh, my graduate degree at the University of Maine at the School of Social Work, I had the opportunity to do uh, smaller internships at a a few different organizations in in the area who worked with older adults. And so as one of the small internships I did, it was three or four weeks, I was able to intern with Eastern Area Agency on Aging. And some, you know, sometimes you just get this feeling that you just fit somewhere I just had that feeling the, the minute that I walked in the, the organization, I said, boy, I hope I can get a job here after I finish school. The, the people were wonderful, very welcoming, was really drawn to the type of work that the organization does. I love working with older adults. It's just, I love this population. So when I finished graduate school, they had a, a part-time job, which I took it. I, I applied for it. I was offered and I took it right away. I didn't, didn't hesitate. And 13 years later, here, here I am. So with the organization and have been the executive director for a little over uh, four years now. I had no idea of that history. And I mean, I know you outside of this podcast. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so before we talk about technology and the organization, I would venture that there's probably people out there that really don't even know what the organization does. So can you give us your like elevator speech on that? Sure, sure. <laughs> so we, uh, we're a, a nonprofit social service organization and we are located, we have a couple of our main offices in Brewer uh, and in Bangor. And then we have some, a few smaller offices because we cover four counties. We cover Penobscot, Piscataquis, Washington, and Hancock counties. We're one of five area agencies on aging in the state of Maine and one of 622 area agencies on aging across the United States. They are all over the United States. And we predominantly serve older adults, caregivers, and adults with disabilities. Most people will know the organization for the, one of our, our programs, which is the Meals on Wheels program. It's probably the one that we're, we're most well known for. 
but we do a lot of other things. Everything, as I said, from supporting caregivers who are taking care of family members or friends. We do a lot of Medicare counseling. There are a huge number of people aging into Medicare right now, baby boomers. And so we do a lot of education around Medicare Part D plans, how your current insurance works with Medicare or how it doesn't in some cases. And also our organization is really here just to try to be a connector in the agency. We really try to strive to kind of be that first place that people call. Uh, I always say we may not we may not have the answer, but usually we know who to connect you with who does have the answer. Our staff are just amazing at knowing what the community resources are that are available. And so we have been in business since 1973 and are happy to be serving Eastern Maine. Wow. So I would imagine that obviously aside from Meals on Wheels, where we know how that works, there are a lot of things that happen on site as far as counseling and programs that you guys must run. So in the big picture, but also where COVID is concerned, what role and how has technology changed and even kept you in business over the last six or eight months? Yeah, change is is the word of the day. Uh, it, you know, it, it, also, it started for everybody back in March. I mean, it was one day we had in-person classes set up. We were doing Medicare 101 classes. Our volunteers were meeting with people face-to-face. And then like so many other businesses, it was just, it was done. It was, and we, and we had to figure it out quickly. I mean, the, the calls didn't stop. In fact, the calls increased every day people wanting to know how they could still get help. So we had to figure it out quickly. Luckily, you know, there, there were platforms out there to use like Zoom and like Facebook. And so we, we have been utilizing those. I'll give you one example. We, we do wellness classes. And so we offer things like Tai Chi and yoga, line dancing, and for older adults especially, social isolation is, is a huge, huge problem. You add a pandemic on top of that. Right. And social isolation just becomes impossible to deal with. So we moved our exercise classes online. And as of today, and it grows every day, we have close to 240 people who are active in an online group who are exercising and learning how to stay healthy with nutrition and uh, with their mental health uh, during a pandemic. And so there, there isn't one, I can't think of one aspect of our business that hasn't changed over the past six months. That literally just sent a chill down my spine. 200 and how many? About 230, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> I know. Given, well, I mean, I'm I'm speechless. I mean, I have a, a friend whose daughter is taking, you know, dance classes from the little dance studio around the corner on Zoom, but she's 14. Like she's used to that. Yeah. That's that's incredible. It is. Well, and and the thing that it's I really feel like that it's allowed us to do is it, it's really difficult for some of the the places that we serve, especially in the really, really rural areas, to reach people uh in person. And so we have we now have people who are exercising with us, not only from around Maine, but we have people 
exercising from all over the country. You know, we have daughters and sons and relatives who are exercising at the same time at, you know, in different parts of the country. And uh, it's great. It's wonderful. That is fabulous. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. So obviously not much is happening at your site anymore, but how did you find, I know that we subsidized some digital literacy classes for you. Are you still doing them or were you up until this point? And did that help? I mean, some people are especially, I I think of my mother, like afraid of the keyboard, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Digital literacy is, is going to be, I mean, for the, I would say the next three to five years is going to be the focus, at least for, I, I think for our population of where we need to put so much of our time. As you said, the digital literacy class that we did here at the agency You know, you have people who all ends of the spectrum, you know, some people who are so savvy on computers and smartphones and tablets and other individuals who are, you know, are just learning about email or about Facebook. And so just because the pandemic happened doesn't mean that all of that changed suddenly. There are still a lot of people who are very unfamiliar and uncomfortable with using technology. So we've had to use, you know, a lot of time with trying to do individual coaching with people to try to get them to um, use technology in in a helpful way. You know, we're definitely not going to force anybody into it. Right. But the ability to, there's a big difference, I think, between having a Zoom call and being able to see somebody face to face than there is having a phone call. I mean, both are great, but there's just so many things that you pick up on when you're able to see someone face-to-face, virtually, of course, but you're just able to pick up on little things that maybe you just wouldn't pick up on in a phone call. Yeah, well, and I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, so you get on a Zoom call with somebody and you teach them how to use their computer, but you can't because if they don't know how to use their computer, they're not getting on that Zoom call. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so it's what a challenge. Exactly. So we have, we have to, we're really flexible. You know, we, we work with people where they are. If they're open and they want to try doing Zoom, then we're happy to do it. If they want to do everything by phone, then we can do, we can do it that way too. So it's not about pressuring people. There's enough, enough pressure in the outside world right now. Um, we don't need to pressure people with this, but we do we do want to be here for the people that that want to learn more about technology. And so have you guys managed getting back into the you know physical stuff? Have you managed to keep meals on wheels going through this? And how have you done that? Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was one of the the first things that we focused on when when everything kind of started back in March. We had to figure out quickly how to get meals to people without having any contact with them. So we, we developed precautions for the volunteers. Obviously, we had a few volunteers who decided to stop volunteering during the pandemic. But I have to tell you, one of the things that has warmed my heart so much is how many people from the community contacted us and started volunteering during that time. We had a bunch of people reach out to us and say, they wanted to volunteer for the Meals on Wheels program because they knew even more how important it was during this time. 
So we worked with our volunteers. We do kind of a, a, a knock and drop system. So, uh, you know, knock, drop the meals on the, the doorstep, make sure the person, you know, step back the appropriate distance, make sure the person knows that it's there, a quick wave from a distance. And then, and then that's, that's where we are. Um, you wow. know, not, not ideal because obviously individuals on the meals on wheels program, this may be the only contact they have with somebody during that week. And if it's a somebody who's been volunteering with the agency for a long time, they you know, probably have made a connection and want to chat right. and catch up. And so it's, it's difficult both for the, the individual, but also for the volunteers too. Wow. Yeah. And so it sounds like, you know, we were, we had some bullet points that we were going to talk about and, you know, what are the ways that technology keeps us connected as a society? Obviously, if you have 230 people across the country taking a Zoom class, you kind of have that down. What what would you say are the biggest challenges that you're facing right now? I would say connectivity is still an issue. There are, you know, some parts in really rural Maine where where internet is still, you know, slow. Um, and, and so that poses an issue. Individuals who just don't, as you mentioned before, just don't have access to anything in technology, e- either because they don't want it or financially can't afford it. That's an issue. And then I think just the overall idea of change too is, is a barrier for people. You know, I I think for some, they think, well, once all of this is over and, you know, we've moved past this pandemic and life has returned to normal and I'm doing air quotes that I'm not going to need to worry about this, the the technology anymore. But I, from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, you know, these changes that we're seeing with these virtual classes and, and connecting this way is here to stay. So I, I am concerned about having a segment of the population that gets left out and left behind because of this. So it's, it's a, it's a real concern. Well, and it's interesting that you, you put it that way because you're right. I mean, there's no end to the, in the foreseeable future of us all needing to take the precautions that we're taking. Right. But you, you make me think, you know, we're talking about you know, obviously, that we underwrite digital literacy classes, and maybe we need to work on. I'm thinking out loud here, and if the people that are listening don't like it, they can, I don't know, cover their ears or something. <laughs> but maybe, maybe we should work on some kind of a curriculum that addresses just that. You know, what we've been doing, as you know, is like this is Google, this yeah. is how to do your email. Right. But maybe we should talk about some kind of, I don't know, like occupational digital therapy or something. When we have some time, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm always, always up for talking about technology and how to connect people. I think that's something we should look into. Yeah. Okay. So this is the part of the conversation that I always have fun with: is if you had a crystal ball, what would you anticipate? Obviously, we just talked about what the foreseeable future is going to look like, but can you take it further? as far as technology is concerned and, and basically what you guys do for seniors and older Americans? Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I would love to see is I'd like to see us set up some type of a, um, I don't even know what you call it, like a, 
a, a soundproofed room that we could, because my, my thinking is that even when we're, we're able to come back together and we're able to have face-to-face connection, that as an organization, we really don't want to lose what we've created here with connecting with people. I mean, it's, it's really opened up a lot of opportunity for us to connect and also people to get information from us. So I don't want to lose that just because we're able to be face-to-face again. So I, we're, we're talking about creating, you know, some type of a, a room within our organization that could just be all technology all the time, you know, that we could have speakers on particular topics that interest older adults, that we could still continue to do our exercise classes virtually, even when we're able to do them in person, uh, that we could record things. Uh, around different topics, Medicare, whatever, that, that people could watch when they want to watch. But I, I never would have thought about this, you know, even a year ago, that we should be devoting, giving, you know, dedicated space to creating a room that would just be all around virtual learning and virtual connection. Um, but we're, we're really considering doing that. I think that makes total sense. I remember lugging all those computers into what's your conference room. I mean, you guys take them in and out every time, right? So I think that's a great idea. I'll even come up and help. (laughs) Yeah, I, I just think there's so many opportunities. And as I mentioned early on, I really see Eastern as a, as a connector to, to others. We are definitely not the experts in everything. You know, I, I love technology, but I'm definitely not an expert about technology. So there are so many experts in the community, you know, let's, let's bring them in. Let, let's, let's connect, let's connect people. I mean, we, 230 people after, you know, six months, I don't know what it could grow to within another year or more. So we have this opportunity to, to really share information with people. I, I think we, we owe it to the community to do it. I think it sounds like a really fabulous project, regardless of the pandemic. I mean, kind of sad that that inspired it, but the idea of all this streaming library of information that people can watch as they need it, instead of just when you guys run it, that's right. great. Yeah. So going back to the outpouring and I think we saw that all over the place of particularly Meals on Wheels and particularly people that weren't as susceptible and felt more comfortable being outside. With these projects that you have going forward, if somebody from the public was, I don't know, a computer geek or something and they wanted to help, what would they do? How would they let you know? And if you were looking for volunteers from outside, what are you looking for? Oh, yeah, we, we definitely are. Uh, we still have a need for uh, volunteers for Meals on Wheels drivers in some of the more rural areas. Um, so in Washington County, Piscataquis County, Northern Penobscot County, we still definitely have a need for, for drivers. And if there is somebody out there that has a technology interest uh, and wants to start to work with us on some of these ideas and volunteer with the agency, we would love that. That would be fantastic. I'm always astounded by how people who are already so busy in their own lives give give their time to help our organization. 
it's, I think it's a wonderful thing. So if there is somebody out there who has a technology interest, honestly has any interest in volunteering, we would just love to talk to you. We, uh, we, we have new volunteers joining the agency every week. So since we're not on television and I can't run a little scroll across the bottom of the screen <laughs> that says constant contact AAA here, yeah. what's the best way for them to reach you? One of two ways. They can either call us um, and our, our number is uh, 1-800-432-7812 or they can just email. We have an info email box. It's info, I-N-F-O at eaaa.org. And so they could do that too. We also write on our website, which is www.eaaa.org.org. You can do a volunteer, you can complete a volunteer application right online. So if you do have an interest in volunteering, it's right there. You fill it out and hit submit and somebody will be right in touch with you. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that I hope, I hope that helps build some volunteers for you. Although we have, you know, this, I don't think you'll get anybody from Missouri. We have people in Alabama and Missouri that will be listening to the podcast, (laughs) but that's okay. Hopefully the manners will come through for you. Well, even, Um, even if they are in Missouri, there's an area agency on aging in their area that I'm sure needs volunteers. That's probably true. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thank you for being here and, um, Wish you the best and, you know, keep me in mind if there's anything we can do to help get this off the ground for you as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity to talk today. And it was, uh, it was good, good to catch up and uh, yeah. And, and who knows what the next six months will hold. We'll, we'll, we'll think positive. <laughs> Maybe we'll come back and do an update oh, once yeah. you have your technology room great. done. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, you take care. Thank you. You too. Until next time, this has been Evolution Digital. Thanks for listening and stay well.